Hello to our early stage founders in Vietnam, our aspiring entrepreneurs, and those just curious about the entrepreneurship journey. This is not just another VC podcast. AVV Founders and Friends is here to share candid stories about the founders in the ecosystem, really demystifying and bringing light to their early stage journey, especially those first six to 12 months. I'm Adrian. And I'm Ho. And we're the hosts of the AVV Founders and Friends podcast. Hi, everyone. We're your hosts, Adrian and Hope. And welcome back to AVV Founders and Friends podcast season one. And today we're here with a very special guest, Kartik Narayan, founder and CEO of Kilo. Kartik, we'd love to hear you introduce a little bit about Kilo to our audience. Thank you, Hao, and thank you, Adrian, for inviting me to be on your Podcast Kilo um, is uh, a, a company that's based in Vietnam. Uh, we are a B2B e-commerce company that connects uh, wholesalers, distributors, and manufacturers with retailers um, with a mission to bring millions of traditional businesses online. This is um, the first time I am running a startup, a tech startup. Um, it's been a, a fantastic, fantastic journey so far. Uh, a lot of lessons learned, both about running businesses and myself. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about the journey, kind of, kind of what led you into the road to Kilo? You were with a few big companies before, Coupang and also Tiki, but what led you to eventually uh, do a Kilo? Sure. I mean, just a little bit of background. You know, I started my career at Amazon. Uh, pretty early on in in, in Seattle, um, was part of um, two very successful business units, um, uh, marketplace uh, business unit and Amazon's advertising business. And I do think that you know um, the focus on metrics and scaling, and having good leadership principles, uh, pays off long term um, in in a big way. Uh, so a lot of principles that I apply today uh, at work um, are, are things that, that I picked up at Amazon. I feel very lucky and blessed to have had that experience early on in my career. Um, from Amazon, I moved around a lot. I've been in Vietnam now for about four years. Uh, and Adrian, as you correctly pointed out, um, I was with uh, Kupang in South Korea uh, before moving to Vietnam. So after Kupang, I came to Tiki, which was a smaller scale. It's a smallest scale uh, company that I have worked with in the past. And what I really got excited about is the potential, right? The, the potential for, um, you know, customers to have a better experience, particularly when they transact online. Um, I started Kilo, um, you know, somewhat deliberately, right? So I, I, I wanted to build a product uh, and an experience that not, it, that's not just marginally better for customers, but something that's a hundred times better. And so with that in mind, um, we ran a few tests, hired some people, and I think we're making uh, a really good progress towards achieving that goal of building that something that's a hundred times better. Um, so Kilo's a hot company in the market. Um, I say this because every single investor that comes to town is looking to meet with you. There's a lot of excitement about um, what you're building, um, the growth, the the scale, um, and the pace at which you're doing it. So what I want to learn more about is the team that is driving all of the success and growth at, at Kilo and the changes that you're making in a market. 
So let's start at the beginning. Who were your first three hires at Kilo? Right. Um, my first three hires at Kilo, uh, an engineer, a product leader, and a leader to handle finance and accounting. And, you know, as I say that, uh, what comes to mind is all three of them are still here and they are thriving, very successful. So I'm especially proud of the fact that they're very successful and they are quite happy. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit more about um, your first three hires. Um, okay. How did you meet them? Kind of what stood out uh, to you about them? Sure. So, um, you know, for, for me, the thing that, um, that I realized is, you know, I think uh, skills are the skills, but I, you know, I have a particular uh, way of working and I really wanted to form a team um, that aligned with the same values as, uh, as, as I had. And so um, it's a group of people that is a mix of people that I met when I was in Vietnam, as well as people that I've been working with for, for many, many years. So for example, our head of product is somebody that I have worked with for the past eight years, right, at Tiki, at Coupang, uh, even uh, in the US. Um, one of our first engineers that, that came on board started with us part-time, uh, but he's still here. Um, you know, working on a bunch of interesting stuff. Uh, his, his role has grown larger and larger. The fantastic thing about him is the fact that not only is he technically savvy, but he's got an extreme sense of ownership, uh, which means that very proactive in uh, building what customers want, clearing technical debt, being scrappy where possible, uh, being frugal, so all of these values that we hold very dearly, he operates that way day in and day out. And lastly, our head of finance and accounting wears multiple hats in the company. Um, she approached us very early on saying that she wanted to work in a tech company. Uh, she's got a fantastic background in public accounting and finance. That resonated well with me because I spent a number of years of my career um, you know, in finance and business operations at, at Coupang and Amazon, et cetera. Um, and I always think that um, finance should have a, a seat at the table for every decision that, that, that we make. Um, all of these individuals uh, certainly have a, a rich resume. They have brand names. Uh, they've got great degrees. They've got multinational work experience. But, you know, the thing I keep going back to is the fact that our values and mindsets are, are very, very similar. So it's a great mix of people that I've known for a long time that know each other's sort of styles of working, as well as some new talent that's come into the company um, who's taught me a lot about living, working, operating in Vietnam. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's a testament not only to kind of the people you selected, but also the strength of the culture and the company and the values which you aligned on. Um, going back to those values, um, you know, were these things that were immediately apparent or were they things that you were able to test for over time? How did you find that alignment, I guess? Sure. 
I mean, there are some things that I suppose that, um, you know, I, I picked up from, from, from my time uh, working at Amazon and Coupang and other companies. Um, you know, for example, one of our values is, is customer focus. And I think Amazon calls it customer obsession. Um, the reason is because, um, and I'm going to misquote Jeff Bezos here, but he says something like, you know, in the long term, um, you know, customer obsession and uh, business success or business growth cannot be divergent functions. You know, they have to converge over time. Uh, so I thought that was pretty powerful. Um, so when we sit down and think about working on something, uh, we do want to make sure that whatever we're building is not just incrementally better for the customer, but it's a hundred times better, um, right? And so uh, we want to stand out in that respect and we want to make sure that um, everybody that, that's on the team is okay to make short-term trade-offs, um, whether it's uh, you know, margin or uh, uh, revenue, for a better customer experience, right? Um, so that's one of our values. Um, the other ones that you know we talk about a lot is um, integrity and ownership. Uh, integrity is very simple. We expect we expect people to not only do the right thing but also to do as they say. Um, I think that's also very important because we're moving with uh, so much velocity. Um, you know, we 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 don't have we don't have the time to build in mechanisms to follow up with people, right? So if someone's going to say that they're going to do something, you know, they've got to do it. So integrity is 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 another uh, sort of leadership principle that we talk about a lot internally. Um, and then lastly, um, you know, we we talk about ownership. Um, ownership is is again very simple. If you see something broken, if you see opportunities for improvement just dig in and, and um, you know, fix it. Um, and I can say that, you know, uh, at Kilo, each one of these leadership principles, um, I see numerous, numerous examples of that day in and day out. Um, and that's sort of the most gratifying thing for me as a founder to take a step back and look at the team and how they operate uh, and sort of read between the lines and uh, 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 look at, you know, how each one of these leadership principles embody themselves. Uh, we incorporate these leadership principles into everything, right? Uh, how we interview candidates, um, how we promote people, how we coach people. Um, so it's part of our DNA. It's, it's simply a part of our DNA. One of the things that is evolving um, is around resourcefulness and velocity. Uh, the thing that I'm discovering as the team gets bigger and more mature is, you know, team's extremely resourceful, right? Now, for example, um, our head of technology, um, he also is very familiar with uh, regulations, licenses, and permits of how to operate in Vietnam. So he's been able to clear a lot of barriers. Our head of product um, loves working on trucks and fixing trucks. So, um, you know, soon you will see a few trucks, kilo branded trucks running around um, because our head of product was able to go and get a great deal on, on used trucks, right? Um, and I can give you a thousand examples like that. Uh, so the resourcefulness that the team has is great. 
And I would say that, um, you know, that's probably one of the emerging sort of principles that we have uh, internally at Kilo is, is how, how resourceful the team can be. Uh, lastly, um, you know, I always used to talk about speed as one of the one of the one of the ways we should operate, but I think speed is incorrect. Uh, so I've corrected it recently to say that we we want to operate with velocity. Uh, speed is just moving in a direction very quickly, but I, but but you know, velocity is 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 to move in a direction in the right direction very quickly. Uh, so as as our business gets more complex and the organization gets bigger, I think it's important to make that distinction and say that we want to operate with the right velocity, not just with the right speed. So those are the five things. Um, I just spent a little bit of time thinking about that. Uh, no, that's awesome. It's really comprehensive too. It sounds like the first three hires that you made kind of already embodied those, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start talking about resourcefulness and velocity. Um, I'm curious how those first three hires started embodying that or was those, or those values that kind of just developed over time as the team grew? Um, I think in the very early stages for those three hires, um, that's how they live and that's how they work. And uh, so we didn't actually spend the effort to say, hey, you know, I believe in ownership. Do you believe in it as much as I do? And should this be one of our leadership principles? Uh, it was sort of a very simple exercise of writing down the leadership principles and saying, these are our leadership principles. And everybody's sort of saying, yep, thumbs up. That's how we work. Makes sense. Let's use this as a framework for how we operate. Um, so very little sort of alignment needed to be had with the early hires. Um, you know, it, it, it was just sort of a composition of, of who we were. So I guess that's how we, we landed on those three leadership principles early on. I love the, the specificity and just the, the precision. There's a deeper meaning that you get with this, this, um, this rigor around the language that you use for the values because they're manifested in each of these individuals and mm -hmm. across a wider team in mm -hmm. very different ways, right? And uh, mm -hmm. to kind of find that alignment, it's very tight, a very tight alignment early on, then that's, that's really, really powerful. Yeah, yeah. Since we're talking about hiring, I would love to maybe uh, dive a little deeper into how you screen your initial hires mm -hmm. for these values that you've identified, right? Mm -hmm. Another question that I have in mind is I'd love to understand how much time you spend on hiring, mm -hmm. um, let's say in the first six to 12 months of your, your business, because as I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, I, I see that a lot of experienced entrepreneurs, they really put hiring on the top of their priority list. Mm -hmm. um, and for some that are less experienced, maybe not so. Um, so I love to understand the thinking behind that. So those are the two questions that I have in mind. Got it. Just to play that back to you, um, how much time did I spend in the initial days, let's say the first six months or so on hiring and what is our hiring framework and how we apply our leadership principles to hiring. So um, in the beginning uh, and even now, I, I do spend a lot of my time talking to potential candidates. Um, you know, uh, the best the best people are passive. Uh, the best people are, are very deliberate about their career choices and they're happy where they are. Um, but, you know, uh, it's my responsibility and I have to own bringing 
the story and the vision and, um, you know, getting them excited about Kilo. And so, uh, of course, I don't spend as much time now as I used to. Um, but if I were to quantify it in the beginning, I probably would spend 50% of my time, um, you know, uh, seven days a week, um, you know, talking to candidates and, and, and trying to get people um, to be excited about Kilo. Uh, some of it was skill-based uh, conversations, but really evolved around the mindset and the soft skills, right? Uh, knowing somebody's background, you know, what gets them uh, excited, what irritates them. Uh, so those are some of the things that were very important for me to gauge, um, and they still are. Uh, so in the beginning, it was, it was, it was about 50%. Um, despite that, you know, we did make um, hiring mistakes, right? Very painful mistakes, expensive mistakes of hiring the wrong people and, you know, um, having to let them go or they leave the company. And so we had to really sit down and have an honest conversation and own up to those mistakes and say, mm -hmm. look, you know, we've got to fix it. Uh, and the reason for us making hiring mistakes is because we didn't, I didn't take the time to put a good framework around um, mm. a process, right? Like what should, what, how should we build a pipeline once somebody gets to Kilo? Um, you know, what do I need to do to make sure that they are successful in, you know, in the first week, first month, first mm. year? Mm. Um, and also around building, building process, just sort of having a framework on how to interview candidates, right? Um, so we've learned a lot. And now, um, you know, to answer your second question, how do we hire? Um, we, so, so having these leadership principles that I talked to you about earlier is great, but then we actually have mechanisms to make sure that we use those leadership principles in our interview process. Um, so I'll lay out the process for you. Um, you know, the, the process is very simple. Um, we build a pipeline. The pipeline can come from me or others or our recruiter. Um, from there, there's a recruiting screen. Um, after the recruiting screen, uh, if the candidate is interested in moving the process forward and we're interested in moving the process forward, um, we send them a, a, a small sort of brochure, if you will, about Kilo. Um, you know, what, what is the team doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? Why they should come work here? And even a link to download our app and play with our app and get, get a touch and feel for our product. Um, from there, what happens is um, there's a half an hour skill-based phone screen with the hiring manager, um, sort of very rapid fire, you know, can they problem solve? Uh, after that, uh, if they pass the hiring manager phone screen, they come in for an in-house interview um, that, you know, there's uh, between three and four people um, and it's not a panel, it's an individual, you know, 60 minute in-person interview. And so what we do is each interviewer um, is assigned a core value. So um, let's say, you know, I had a product that's going to go interview a candidate for operations. Um, the, you know, the, the core value they're assigned is customer obsession. So all the questions, all the problem solving, everything is focused around uh, customer obsession, right? Um, 
So then, you know, there's no duplicate questions, right? So there's no sort of overlap between, between uh, one interviewer to the other. Mm -hmm. uh, we have recently introduced something called a bar raiser, um, which is a person that is an expert at interviewing and embodies the leadership principles really well, is also a part of the interview loop. Um, and they check only for cultural fit. Um, they also have veto right. So let's say there's four people in an interview, including the bar raiser. Three people can say we're inclined. If the bar raiser says no, then we don't hire the candidate, right? Um, so we're testing that. It's working reasonably well. Um, no sort of big controversy so far, but having those mechanisms has, has certainly helped. Um, everybody's going to write their feedback down in Airtable. We do a debrief of the interview with the recruiter as quickly as possible after the interview ends. Um, and that conversation is also very much geared around um, what's your decision? Why? What questions did you ask? And um, there's a healthy debate. Um, so it's time that um, I have learned has a very high ROI. Not doing so has, has in the past resulted in, in you know, us being unhappy or the candidate being unhappy when they get here. So, um, so one of the big lessons learned is to invest time in proper mechanisms, uh, especially around hiring. Um, so that's one. The thing that I also didn't talk about was our onboarding process. Um, so if you come in as an engineer, uh, the onboarding process is pretty amazing, I would say. Uh, it's a very smooth ramp. Everything's documented. Um, you know, uh, some of the examples I can think of are engineers are pushing code into production in, in their first week, right? So that can only happen if they know where to access the information, who to talk to, um, and, um, you know, where, where, where to sort of go for documentation and also understand who the stakeholders are. So we've also put in a significant amount of time and resources around onboarding, um, including all of that, what I mentioned above, but also setting sort of, you know, targets, right? Setting sort of goalposts to say, you know that you're doing well if you hit this milestone in the first 30 days. You know you're doing uh, really well if you hit these two milestones in the next 60 days. So, um, so I think that that's also extremely important. And, you know, our hiring managers do a great job of uh, making sure that candidates have that experience in the first two months. That's awesome. Um, I actually see uh, quite a number of similarities between Kilo's hiring process and our own hiring process. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, definitely. If you saw me nodding along that's, and smiling, that's because of that. You know, you mentioned hiring mistakes and um, one of the, the, the mistakes that you shared with us earlier was bringing on a, a co-founder that eventually didn't work out, right? And you highlighted the lesson there, which was, you know, less emphasis on looking for, quote unquote, a complementary mindset, but more a similar mindset. And this really is intriguing for me because as VCs, as investors, when we assess teams, Mm -hmm. uh, we always want to look for a team that has complementary skills, knowledge, even personalities, qualities, and so on. Mm. All right. So, yeah, can you can you share more about this? 
Sure. Yeah, I think I think it's worth spending time on that. Um, I think it's perfectly fine having complementary skills, right? So, um, you know, uh, uh, someone is creative. Um, the other person is is not maybe as creative, but they're um, they have other skills, right? Someone is technical. The other person is not technical. Um, that is perfectly fine. Um, what I mean is um, complementary in terms of mindset. Uh, so. Um, let's say that, um, you know, all of us want to move with, with speed and want to make quick decisions. Um, however, if we have a team member that wants to be more right than being more fast, we will never get anything done. Mm. Uh, so, so that's the mindset, right? The mindset needs to be similar. Um, you know, uh, it's okay to be fast than to be right at this stage in the company. Um, and, you know, everybody in the company should be okay with that. Um, I'm not saying it's the right answer, um, right? I, I think if you're building a rocket to go to space, you want to be more right than, than to be fast. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, we are building a consumer-facing product. And so mm -hmm. for us, um, the, the, the speed of iteration matters a lot. Because the faster we iterate, the more data we get, the more we learn. So for that to happen, we just need to move fast. Uh, and so people that have been very successful at Kilo are, are the ones that, say, uh, that share a similar mindset. Mm. Um, so I think the wrong balance is to say, hey, maybe we're making too many decisions and we're, we're going too fast. Let's bring someone in that can slow us down, that has a different mindset. Um, you know, we've done that and that's been a mistake. So, mm -hmm. uh, so, so the lesson is, um, it's okay to have complementary hard skills, but the mindset has to be the same. Thank you for sharing that. What I, my interpretation of that is that the, the point here is not to find people who are your exact clones, right? There are things that, complementaries you know, that should be complementary. There are things that you would need diversity on, mm -hmm. uh, but then there are things that you don't want to compromise, right? There are things mm -hmm. that you have to be absolutely on the same page yep. uh, about, and you should know what that is when you uh, make these initial hires because they have really, really large impacts on your company. Right. Were there any things that you reflected on that you felt like you need to change about yourself after making that mistake, so like beyond the company, but really think about yourself as a as a founder, as, especially as a first time founder. That's um, a really tough question. Adrian. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, what I learned what I learned about myself is is again being very stubborn about what values matter to me and ignoring all else. Right? I mean, they can be the most amazing technical uh, technical mind, but if the value match is not there, then it's not going to work. Um, so, you know, for me, that's one. Um, and I guess what I learned and what I would have done differently is I would have taken more time, right? I would, I would have taken more time to assess and, um, in the spirit of moving fast, uh, maybe I moved too fast. And so, uh, again, again, I think, you know, moving at the right velocity, which is moving fast in the right direction. Uh, is is important. That being said, the the way we operate is right now at this stage in the company. I do feel like I have 
four co-founders, right? I do feel like each one of our VPs um, embodies that. They embody the fact that they're an owner in the company. They behave that way. Uh, you know, they challenge each other um, and they work together. And so, so I do feel that we're on the same page. We operate similarly. Um, people are empowered and uh, they have the autonomy to make decisions. We don't have a culture where I say, I as a CEO or the founder say something and people must comply because of my title or because of my tenure. Uh, that is not at all the case, right? People say no to me all the time, uh, which is great to see. Um, so I do feel like, you know, each one of our, our VPs um, is, is not just an owner on paper of the company, but they behave that way. So we've come quite a ways from, um, from where we were just a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned that your first three hires, they're still with you and they've actually grown quite a bit and prospered and their, their roles in the team have expanded as well. So what would you say are three things that you've done um, to keep these and to keep and develop these great hires? I think the first thing is, is, is uh, to be genuine, right? Uh, to be really honest and upfront uh, and being able to create psychological safety, uh, not just for them to, to, to um, share problems, but also for me to tell them that this is not going well, or this is what I think, without being afraid of, of being perceived as, as, as not having all the answers, right? So creating that environment of psychological safety is, is, is important, and that can only happen if you're genuine. So I think that's number one. Um, number two is allowing these leaders to make decisions, right? Um, and taking a longer-term view um, even if it's a decision that may be wrong, in my view, um, it's allowing them to make those decisions and then, um, you know, finding a path, right? Uh, so that's number two. Um, and number three is um, my job oftentimes comes down to alignment, right, across the organization. So we've also built in mechanisms where all teams come together. I talk about our leadership principles, our numbers, what's going well, what's not going well. So, um, so the managers feel like it's not only their responsibility to make sure everybody's pulling the right direction. So sharing a little bit of that responsibility as well. Uh, so I would say those are the three things three things to being sort of genuine, allowing people to make decisions and allowing them to sort of fail um, and uh, just being transparent about what's happening in the company. Yeah. Wow. That was, that was deep. I love it. I, you know, it's, it's a shame. I wish we had more time to, to talk about all of these things because they're so, you know, Yes, we can summarize them in bullets, but these are all topics that can just, you know, they, they can have their own episode. Um, we can go at length about psychological safety and allowing leaders to make decisions and, and low-cost mistakes, right? Um, yeah, so many, like, nuggets of gold in this. And um, for all the, the, the listeners, you know, please rewind, listen over and over and over again, because this is the gospel of 
early stage hiring and being a founder. Um, and Karthik, thank you so much for sharing with authenticity um, and really kind of, you know, sharing some of your secret sauce, right? The Ho and I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that the audience does as well. So um, one really important question, and I think you've shared a little bit about this, but in 30 seconds, how would you pitch Hope and myself on joining Kilo? First, I would say, look, our mission in Kilo is to bring millions of traditional businesses online. Uh, it's not about Kilo. It's about something bigger than us. What we're doing today is building mechanisms, building process, building products that truly is a hundred times better than the alternative in the market. Um, we are a small team, but we are experienced, intense, and um, it's a fun and collaborative environment. So if you want to better yourself and better, uh, better businesses, then this is a this is a fantastic fantastic environment to be in. You know, if you put two people, um, they'll always want to sort of aspire to be better than one another. So I think at Kilo, there's a wonderful opportunity to come in and learn and contribute and build both hard and soft skills. We're growing. I think we're over 10x year over year. So growth is not uh, not a constraint. Uh, there's a lot of great challenging problems to come and solve. So. Adrian and how if you want to work on something that's much bigger than the company, much bigger than yourselves, then you should come join us. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Karthik. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much for your great questions and keeping, uh, keeping this engaging. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the ADB Founders and Friends podcast. This is Hope and Adrian. We'll see you next time.